0: Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the central role design plays in our everyday lives and how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost.
1: At Frost Collective, we are dedicated to designing a better world. Our specialist teams work across branding, strategy, place visioning, and wayfinding, solving problems with empathy and creativity to design experiences that benefit people, business, and the planet. And as a proud certified B Corp, we meet the highest environmental and social standards by balancing profit with our purpose to design a better world. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au.
0: Welcome to today's episode of Design Your Life, Tied for Change. Today, I catch up with the inspiring entrepreneur, David Truroon. David is a serial entrepreneur, having founded a successful digital agency, DT, at the age of 23, and later going on to be the chairman of the innovative design college, Tractor Design School. David is now spearheading his latest business, a CEO of the internationally acclaimed electric hydrofoil business, Flightboard. Listen as we chat about his journey, why water sports and the ocean are his religion, and how he's built a career around following his passions. It's so cool to catch up with you on a new series, Tide for Change. Uh, we met uh, probably very briefly in about 2004, down in Melbourne, um, when I'd come back, come over across from from us, from London and to join Gary Emery at uh, Gary Emery Design and Emery Vincent, et cetera. And I met your wonderful brother, Andrew, there. Uh, and after that, I met you uh, because you were working on some digital projects for us. But it was really cool to, um, to, to hear, to see your growth and to see what you've done. It's just been incredible. So we're going to capture that today. Really excited about having a chat to you and unpacking your life and talking about, you know, how you grew up and how you got into business and wh- what you're doing today. The journey since you started... Uh, I mean, back in the 80s, I guess. What was it like growing up in Melbourne in the 80s?
1: Um, growing up in Melbourne in the 80s? Yeah, no, it was fun. You know, like, uh, I mean, we didn't have uh, phones and we had skateboards and, uh, God, I had this, uh, what was it called? I had this bike called the Green Machine. It had three big wheels and, and I'd fly, f- oh. fly down the hill of the street I lived in in Camberwell. Um, and, and that was kind of pretty fun. So, you know, lots of uh, – no, look, it was fun. And then, and then going through school in the 80s, and we went through that whole cultural period in the 80s. It was a super fun, you know, going off to daytime nightclubs when I was about, you know, 13, 14, which was good fun. Um, I was always into being, being creative and, and, um, and, you know, art and design and doing all sorts of stuff at school, which, um, which ultimately led me to, a, a, you know, a creative career. Uh, later on
0: yeah well you, you and I don't know if you've got any other siblings but obviously I know Andrew Have You got other no siblings? just
1: Andrew just Andrew and I yeah just Andrew and I and and look we come I both yeah. are, we you know we come from a pretty creative family I suppose I mean our father was an architect and and his father and our, our grandfather's mm-hmm. brother and and um, you know my mum was an interior designer <laughs> and uh, my grandmother taught art for a while so lots of creativity growing up and and painting and drawing and making stuff um building things uh so so i suppose for both of us it, it's just what's what our life's always been about is creating things
0: wow i guess it all makes sense now we don't need to go any further with the podcast <laughs> <laughs> you've had a creative life since the beginning which is really cool definitely and, and that exposure to that has is, is influenced you both in a, in a in a big way
1: yeah definitely i think i think you know for me that's just you know i suppose it's what i enjoy doing the challenge of trying to create something and then the feeling you get when you've created something, you look at it and you go, wow, look what I did. Sometimes you look at it and you'd rip it up because you didn't like it. (laughs) I was probably a bit of a perfectionist when I was a kid. But I think also growing up, you know, I think um, my mum was pretty, uh, was a bit of an entrepreneur. She had a few businesses and and so it's just what's natural, you know. you, You know, for me, having my own business and doing creative stuff just seemed like that's what people do because that's what I experienced growing up.
0: Well, not just doing the creative, but then obviously the, the linking it to business, like what your mum was doing. Because it's like a lot of people have creative ideas, and and but they don't know how to how to bring them to life. And you, you're kind of a serial entrepreneur that just keeps bringing these ideas to life.
1: Yeah, no, I find I think it'd be. I sort of think about I thought about this the other day, and thought it must be challenging for people to to go out and start a business if they grew up in an environment where. The, where they weren't surrounded by people that ran their own businesses. You know, for me, that was just sort of normal. I remember going off to trade shows with my mum and she'd be buying product and she had a couple of shops and um, this is later on after we moved to Marimbula, a small coastal town, and and just all the things of trying to set up a business from scratch and run a business and deal with um, all of those sorts of things. It just seems sort of natural to me and it gives you kind of that mental model in your mind of, of what that's all about. And without that mental model, um, it would be a lot more challenging. You know, I've got a lot of respect for people that start businesses without having that kind of mental model, I suppose, from a, from an early stage.
0: Yeah. And I guess people who haven't had that experience kind of naturally, they're going to think they're going to fail. The emphasis on failing is probably bigger or more insight than, um, than success.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think anyone running a business, you know, failure is just, uh, part of what happens every day (laughs) you know like it's uh it's not you know you don't have that support and that structure that you do when you're when you're um you know working for somebody else you turn up you've got a job description you do what you're supposed to do if you get stuck you go and ask somebody for help I mean if uh when you're running your own businesses obviously you're, you're running without a map and and uh it's just kind of you versus the world and and it's uh it's a it's a very different sort of experience
0: and what did you do after um high school
1: yeah, so I did. I yeah. um, look. I was really into art and graphics and design when I was at high school, and um, and um, I think I got a hundred percent for graphic communication. I was pretty obsessed with that, and I taught myself airbrushing and did sort of architectural renderings. I, I wanted to be an architect, and I did all the subjects for architecture. Um, then I decided I wanted to be an industrial designer late, later on in year, going through Year Twelve. Um, I actually went and did all the interviews yeah. to get into industrial design and. I told them I wanted to be a car designer and, and they said, well, you know, good luck. You can't really do that in Australia. Maybe think of doing something else. So I ended up um, enrolling in graphic design. I got into Swinburne. I went and did graphic design and um, which was fantastic. It was an incredible experience, you know, going to going to design school. I just, it was an incredible part of my life and, um, you know, really got so much out of it. Um, and uh, as part of that, you know, it just happened that while I was going through uni, the internet was pretty much kind of invented in, in its kind of commercial form. I think um, the Mosaic web browser um, appeared in about 1994 or 95. I, I finished uni in 94. I, I saw the internet for the first time. I think it was in like the final semester. We, we all crowded around a computer with our lecturer and watched a picture of the president, George Bush wow. get down, download and, and really slowly this JPEG and, and um and little little did I know that I'd be a web designer a couple of years later. The term web designer didn't actually exist when I was at uni. So, so um, yeah, so I went to design school and and then got myself into sort of uh, in, into the kind of technical side of um, design for the internet.
0: Isn't that incredible? I'm, I remember those days. I remember that, that, that sitting on a, a Mac in a Pentagram when I was working. They had this one of these little tower, the little green thing. I can't remember what it's called now. The, is it a classic? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a classic, whatever it was. Yeah, the, the little the but little thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. A
0: game changer, wasn't it? You didn't think yeah. at the time, but it was just like pretty, pretty incredible. And then that was obviously the internet came later.
1: Oh, look, it's 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 incredible how much everything's changed. I mean, I remember sort of saving my pennies. I was working working at Pizza Hut when I was at uni, and I got some. My parents lent me some money too, and I bought this uh, Mac LC two, which was kind of like the cheapest Mac you could buy. But I was so proud having this Mac at home. You know, it was pretty unusual to have a, a Mac at home, and. um and I remember, you know, designing, doing an illustration on the Mac and turning up to uni and presenting it to my illustration teacher and them saying, you know, what are you doing? You know, no one's ever going to – computers are for typesetting only. No one's ever going to create images on computers. It's just for typesetting. And so I was a bit of a – I was a bit of a rebel at uni and I sort of got in a bit of trouble just because I was pushing the boundaries and and um, I ended up convincing Swinburne to buy um, – uh, macromedia Director, which was like you know for creating cd ROms you know before before you could create yeah. you know dynamic websites like there is today the web, web was just basic HTML and images and text and so I taught myself lingo programming and that 's ultimately what um and I made this cd ROm portfolio yeah. and uh, ended up using that to win a travel scholarship. I went off around the world and and I uh, went to Neville Brody's office and, and showed it to his team and got oh, offered. Yeah, yeah, and I, I got offered a job there. And, and uh, but I was like, oh shit, living living overseas. So I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. And and uh, but yeah. So I, I came back to Australia and and I also went to San Francisco and I visited some really early web companies. Right when I was there, the same month that Netscape um, iPO and there was all this kind of fuss about the internet that I didn't really understand because it was all very new to me. Um, but I came back and it sort of digested it all and thought, you know, I'm going to learn a bit more about this. And, and uh, anyway, I ended up starting my own business, developing and designing websites. So it's an interesting time. But was that, was that DT? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I finished uni. Um,
0: how, old, how old were you started that?
1: Twenty three, yeah. So I, I worked for. I, I, I worked I worked for about a year and a half. Um, in two, I worked for show uh, Sorry, I worked for um, Village Roadshow, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I worked for Show Ads Interactive. Back then, it was sort of one of the first multimedia companies developing CD ROMs and then websites. And ended up, um, we ended up winning the job to design the interface for LookSmart. That was a search engine um, that ended up listing on NASDAQ. And and when I left. Um, there was a company called Gyro Interactive that was – sorry, then I worked for Gyro Interactive where I did Look Smart, which was working for um, Wayne Rankin from Rankin Bevers. Um, that was a really successful, you know, design business back then. And and when I left, I, I decided I'd go out on my own because this project we are working on wrapped up and um, I was contracting and I went out on my own and thought, right, I'm going to start a business. And, um, and the guy said, we don't really – you know, this web thing, we don't really have the skills – so you can just take that client if you want. And I'm like, okay. So sort of look smart ended up being wow. my first client. So I had this, uh, you know, I was 23 and, you know, I was getting paid 120 bucks an hour to design an interface for a for a US, you know, uh, well, Australian company, but, you know, US based company um, search engine. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, and really burning the midnight oil, teaching myself, you know, learning and really innovating and trying to work out how am I going to create you know how do I design and create this search engine interface so that it's really engaging but at the same time you know I think I had an eight kilobyte budget in terms of um, data because the internet was so slow so I I came up with a whole lot of really innovative ways to to compress images myself and use sort of like four four color um index color palettes and you know, working with these Java developers to pull the images apart and recreate them using code, so that we were just using no bandwidth to create a really tactile interface. So that was sort of, you know, there was sort of innovation right from the very beginning, I suppose. And then, um, uh, and that led into people around town hearing that I was a, you know, a, a, a trained graphic designer that could also understand coding. And um, Clemenger approached me and and said, oh, you know, we've got a client; they need a website, first website for them. Um, no one had websites back then in 1996, yeah. um, and so that was Mercedes Benz. So I won the job to design and build the Mercedes Benz website for for Clemenger. Um, before I know it, I was hiring, hiring a team, and and um, you know going back to my old university, Swinburne, and and pulling some grads out, and um, and there I was, sort of 23, you know, running a business and building the Mercedes Benz website.
0: Wow, did you did you feel like would you feel like you were winging it, or what did you feel like? Oh, it's totally. I'm still
1: winging it. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. And I think, um, yeah. I mean, like, I think, uh, and and I think, I think the thing about that gave me confidence to wing it more mm-hmm. later in life was really there were no experts. You know, I was I had as much claim to being an expert as anybody. I mean, there just were. It was such being at the bleeding edge of something and being an early adopter really gives you the right to to do that there you know there no one knew more than me at the time i mean i just i knew as much as anybody did probably in the world about designing and building websites um probably probably more than most in the fact that i had that it was pretty rare to have that trained graphic design background and then have a, a good understanding of coding as well i mean i i you know i i i don't think it's an exaggeration to say that i was probably the first you know i suppose modern day web designer that could you know design and code in Australia, I don't know of anybody else around that time that was doing that. I mean, all of the guys that I went to design school with were, were really many years away from getting their head around wanting to have anything to do with coding. And all the programmers that I yeah. came across back then were definitely not designers, you know. So I was in a very unique situation.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that because you can bridge both sides of that. Whereas most people kind of either want to do just do design, specify it and get someone else to code it or coders you know, just focus on the code and not the design.
1: Yeah. And I think, look, I, I think for me, that goes back to the architecture thing, right? Because, you know, my, my father was an architect, like I said, and and it's like that left brain, right brain thing where, you know, a good architect is, um, is good conceptually and visually and aesthetically, but they also understand the engineering, you know? And, and, um, and so I think, I think, um, ultimately I ended up, I suppose, going back to architecture, but a different form of architecture, you know, um, and that was really my
0: natural place to be. And DT continued to grow and became kind of the leading digital agency in Australia. Um, how did you manage to make that happen? How did you manage to not only learn about you know, design <laughs> and code and run a business? How, how did you
1: make that all work? Oh, I think just one foot in front of the other. And, and, you know, as I say, if you're trying to eat an elephant, you do it one <laughs> one step at a time. I think, um, look, I, I think I was, look, I think very, very passionate and, um, enthusiastic and I had a lot of energy. It was really exciting, you know, like it was like I was on this adventure and and the excitement of the adventure probably um, suppressed the anxiety of what the hell am I doing? I really don't know what I'm doing, you know. So I think, um, you know, I, I think that the, the force of in, the, the enthusiasm and the excitement of what I was doing really, really uh, kind of, I was running on adrenaline, I suppose, and it sort of kept me going because I really, I really didn't know what I was doing. And, um, but then I kind of worked out that nobody really does. And, and, you know, the business, and I used to say that the business is, (laughs) the the business is growing as fast as I can learn business acumen really, you know, because, um, and, and that, that takes, you know, and I really sort of, you know, I was a student and I I really tried to learn as much as I could. I I had some good mentors early on um, and I'm really, I'm really a big advocate for that in terms of, Again, having that mental map that I talked about earlier, and learning from, um, you know, having mentors, I think is so important. Um, and 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 really, yeah, I mean, just trying to learn as much as you can, and and um, and and running your own business is difficult. And I think just trying to, and there's so much to worry about and think about, and so many problems to solve. But I think if you, mm. if you if you've got as much exciting stuff going on or more as you've got the worries, then. Then uh, you can kind of get through. Um, otherwise, it's pretty hard. So I think we, I think we just, you know, I, I think I really just um, use momentum to, to just push through the challenges of, of building and running a business without really knowing what I was doing. And
0: how did you manage to stay stay on top of things and stay healthy and you know, yeah, good mindset and etc. Like, because obviously, running a business is incredibly stressful, yeah. especially when you're doing something that's not been done before.
1: Yeah, I think good question, and it's uh, you know for me the ocean and water sports was was really my religion. You know, I, I moved to Maribyrnong, which is a small coastal town in New South Wales, when I was in when I was about ten or eleven. Um, learned to surf, learned to windsurf. Um, then I got into kite surfing. I was probably you know I think I was person number five in Australia kite surf. I've always been into kind of new things and. I think being, you know, being really enthusiastic about new things has really given me a lot of advantages in, in life, like starting this web business and and um, you know buying Tesla shares ten years ago, all sorts of stuff, you know. And so, wow. um, you know, so um, I think uh, for me, yeah, I got into windsurfing and kite surfing, and and um, I worked with my wife in the business, so we'd see each other all day at work, and and um, we, we were great partnership and team and we still are and and um so we we kind of had this thing where i'd finish work and i didn't i didn't typically work that late um i worked really intensely when i was Mm -hmm. in the office but uh, particularly for someone working in that kind of design space i'd I'd leave the office at six o'clock in summer and i'd which is pretty early for for us designers and i'd get to the beach and and i still had three hours before the sun went down in daylight savings to and I was out kite surfing, you know, um, maybe four times a week, and and um, and that was something I could do where I was out there in nature, and my brain would just switch off, and I'd be in that kind of flow state. And and uh, by the time I came home to go to bed, you know, I'd, I'd I had a really good buffer from all of the work stuff.
0: Well, we, we we a good friend, you and Jasmine, we spoke to on a podcast a few a few sessions ago. Uh, from melbourne and he's like you know world number one kiteboard uh, champion which is really cool you must, you probably met him yeah i have yeah uh, but amazing yeah. guy he d- he just lives that 24 7 it's incredible yeah uh, envious yeah, of yeah. that that lifestyle
1: you're just in this really in this sort of flow state and and uh and i think you know for, for me now many years later I, i'm still using that as my religion i suppose getting out in nature and and um you know, it's an amazing thing that kind of balances out all that adrenaline when you're. I mean, you use a bit of adrenaline kite saving too, but it's a, it's a very different thing to racing around meetings to meetings and dealing with people and money and yeah. all that other stuff. So yeah, great balance.
0: And so you built the business, or how many how many years did you build the business for?
1: Yeah, so it started in 1996, um, and we grew. Um, you know, it was before the dot com boom and the start of the dot com boom, so we had a lot of opportunities coming at us. And and despite being really young, um, again, like there was no one that really knew more more than this than me. And actually, older guys would turn up to pitch, and they'd kind of get laughed out of the room because I was the you know I was the, the the one that really knew what I was talking about, which was kind of bizarre. So you know, I had a lot of advantage again from being at the at the early the early edge of this. I, I think it was around two thousand and one. Um, uh, I got approached by somebody who wanted to invest in the business. A guy called Michael Ball. Um, he he um, he Mad Mad Men uh, was apparently kind of based on him. Um, Don Draper. He was an advertising guy, um, uh, second in charge of Ogilvy globally for many many years. And he was putting together a group of companies to um, to float. Um, and he bought into my business to bought ten percent. Became an amazing mentor. Um, and then it was about two thousand. And uh, a few years after that, um, he introduced me to STW that was now WPP, that was John Siglin's business. And they ended up buying into the business. and, And that gave us some more growth and learning and, you know, learning about the whole world of sort of agencies and access to bigger clients and things. And then it was about 2010 that I sold the remainder of the business. So, you know, that was about 14 years. And then I continued working with DT um for about another three years after after i sold so it's about 17 years that i was from start to finish with my journey with dt wow
0: and what did it feel like when you were when you finally sold the business and you were i guess
1: employed by the business it felt pretty amazing to be honest, because it was uh, it was um, well, 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 like I think initially, because I think really the funny cashed up, what, of course. Oh uh, well, look, my my joke is that uh, my joke is I just wanted three months off, you know, because I just I just found it, <laughs> I just, you know, it's a lot hard, a long way to go to, to uh, just get three months off. I mean, I, I and really I just didn't stop, you know. I used to, you know, I. We go out at, you know, my wife and I would go out with friends, and and I just felt that I never could really relax properly, and I and I just, I convinced myself that it's because I had all this responsibility from the business, and maybe 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 I did, or maybe I'm just underneath it. I'm I'm quite an anxious person, and being so busy at work was my way of dealing with that, you know. But I think um, when I eventually sold the business, um, I did I took three months off and travelled around the world with my with my wife and our two kids that were quite young at the time um and it was incredible like it was amazing just being out in the world and going to all these countries and and really just going on the trip of like trip of a lifetime where do we want to go and not really having to think about um all the stuff i thought about at work so that was an incredible um that that was an amazing sort of three-month experience traveling around the world and not not having like literally deleting the inbox from my email and like having no emails it was amazing you know and and um other than from hotels and places we were staying but but then of course you come back and then you come back to worth and Start questioning again. Well, who am I? What do I do? What's my value? Um, and then, <laughs> then, 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 then it. All I reckon begin. that uh,
0: was on the flight out of Australia, wasn't it? <laughs> to be, no, be it, honest, it, look, no, you it, were you thinking know about that right away.
1: It, it kind of wasn't because you, you kind of got this honeymoon period, you know. Like you, you know, you, you really, I really felt like I deserved yeah. it and I and I'd earned it, and I earned the right not to be thinking about what's next. You know, like there was there was a bit of that in the back yeah. of my mind, but it was like, look, it's been 17 years, and I've worked so hard. I'll worry about that when I get back. And I had a safety net, you know, because really what I'd said to uh, Brian, who's the guy who's still the CEO of DT, um, he was the general manager back then. I said, look, I'm going away for three months. Don't call me. I don't want to know. Um, I've sold the business. <laughs> um, when I come back, if things are going well, um, you can step up and be the CEO. Uh, if they're not, I'll have my old job back and um, we'll work out what's next. So, you know, I was going I, – I, so I was going back to I was going back to a role, and and I wasn't completely kind of adrift, you know. So um, so it was that was a good position to be in. What do you mean?
0: Well, you thought he's going to fail.
1: No, 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 I, no. Because well, what I said was that look, I, no, 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 no. What I meant was I, I, I'll come back if things are going well. You're the CEO. If, thi- if things yeah, um, yeah. If, if things aren't going well. Uh, and, and and you're the CEO, and I'll start. I'll 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 be kind of part-time chairman, and I'll do some work with STW. They were really keen for me to sort of start working with them on yeah. on sort of some stuff at kind of the parent kind of the parent level. Um, so I, you know, yeah. I, I was I was coming back to something. You know, I I wasn't kind of coming back to nothing. Talk about
0: deleting your your, your email because that yeah. that's like something that uh, <laughs> yeah horrifies most people. I mean, it uh, is. Look. You know, they're coming at you twenty-four-seven every every day of the of the week. Um, but what does that feel like? Just going, you know, I'm, I'm going to close that. Uh,
1: there's you know. nothing more liberating than I've, I've done that a couple of times now. Like, you know, two businesses that I've sold and exited that that really occupied just all of my life, you know, for many, many years. And and when you get to that point where it's like, okay, I, I'm actually out. I'm not involved in this business anymore. And and um, and then you go and delete your inbox. And uh, it's it's pretty amazing actually. Like the the space that is created. Um, for other things when you actually do that you know you sort of convince yourself that oh look you know I'm, I'm no longer working for that business and I'm free and I'm now mm. sort of semi-retired and I can think about what's next but you're still getting the you're still getting emails and you're still across everything and it's not until you then go and go delete on the whole inbox and it's like wow you know now I'm now now there's really nothing <laughs> so that yeah I found that incredibly liberating the, the two times that I, I did it it was it was a bit of a buzz
0: how, how did you because people obviously you're you are you were in, you were in the business of You know, exploring, um, you know, utilizing technology um, and I guess in a way creating this kind of insane addiction that we all have (laughs) for the technology uh, to utilize. People kept saying, oh, it's going to make your life easier and and all that kind of stuff simpler. But I mean, how how do you navigate? Because I I find it incredibly stressful at times Uh, as much as I I can't switch off because I need to kind of stay on top of all the information that's coming back and forth. But how, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate the, the, the technology overload um, that we're all experiencing? I mean, yeah, it's de- shutting down your, your email boxes, which is yeah. not practical for a lot of people. No,
1: no. And it's definitely not the case at the moment. I mean, I struggle with email a lot, you know, in my new business. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a real double-edged sword. And, and I remember doing a project when I was at uni because I was really fascinated by the, by the internet when I kind of heard about it when I was at uni. And I did an assignment about Marshall McLuhan, you know, who was sort of talking about this back in the sixties and seventies. I think um, just about you know this this network that had that hadn't really been invented yet that had the potential to kind of connect all the human race, you know, connect our nervous system and our and our brains, you know, almost like um, uh, yeah, like telepathy, and and that's what we've ended up with, and it's incredible, and so we can do things so quickly now, and if you think back to you know, back to the eighties and Michael Ball, who, you know, he, he, he was this mentor of mine, he, he passed on, but a few years ago, but back in the madman days when he was in Madison Avenue in New York and running, running, you know, Ogilvy, he'd be writing a letter and the letter would be posted to somebody and they'd receive it. And they'd, they'd write a letter back. that They'd kind of dictate to their secretary, type it on a typewriter and <laughs> had it get mailed. And so yeah, we can yeah. do, we can do things so fast now, but um but the, the downside of that is, is that we just don't have that um, space, you know, in our in our brains very often these days, where we've just got peace, you know. So it's hard, and I see it in in, in my kids. I find it. I, I sort of feel sorry for. I mean, it's double edged sword for them too. They've got a, a, access to this whole world of creativity, but you know, my daughter who's thirteen. I mean, you know, she's so connected the whole time to everything, and and uh, it's like you know. It's easy to take for granted how amazing the real world is, and, and nature, and and peace. So I think for me, nature is the the key. Getting out on the water, you know, um, running, um, anything to sort of slow your brain down. You know, I I try and meditate unsuccessfully, but I do do that. You know, um, probably every every couple of days, and 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 I do find that 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 kind of really goes a long way. And um, so it's difficult, you know, being you know, we're trying to push ourselves, and we're evolving as a species to to go faster and faster and kind yeah. of be like computers where we're like a network amongst humans where we can just make things happen so quickly and make decisions. I mean, look at the way that the world responded to solve, well, partially solve this COVID issue. It's, it's, just, it's just incredible the way that yeah. vaccines are created, rolled out, policies changed, you know, all around the world in, yeah. in the space of months. Um, but the downside is, is that our brains are probably... Running at a speed that that they haven't evolved to be able to deal with yet, and um, and, and I'm sure that's know. causing causing a lot of mental health issues and other things, you know. So I think I think meditation and nature is the is the antidote.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. We're kind of like, yeah, you're so right around how how everything's evolved so quickly, um, but we're all kind of this, we're still in lockdown, even though we're not in lockdown. We're in that lockdown kind of mentality. we we're just kind of feeling like we're restricted, even though. We're probably just mentally restricted, or we're just used to acting a certain way, or responding a certain way. Um, but let's let's talk also about um, what you did next. So a- after you had your three months off, you obviously were itchy and going, "I need to do something else." What did you do
1: then? Yeah, well, I was I've been in this group called Entrepreneurs Organization. Um, w- which has been great, a really great support for me and people that run businesses get together. And it's a bit of a, my wife calls it a cult, but it's uh, probably is a bit of a cult, but, um, so, <laughs> cause we'd go and we'd have these meetings and we'd all give each other oh. advice on our businesses and we'd come home and she'd say, what happened? And I'd go, I can't tell you, it's top secret. Um, so, um, Oh my you know, God. You know, because it was literally, we're, we're really giving each other a lot. We're basically like each other's personal board and giving each other advice on all sorts of stuff, yeah. business and personal. So, Confidentiality is really important. So one of the guys in my forum and I had been talking and, and we ended up um, deciding to go into business together and we bought a private college that um, had a graphic design school. Um, and, yeah. and and my idea was that, you know, I'd love to kind of, um, I, I love seeing people develop, you know, in my business and um, I love being at the cutting edge. And so I'm going to go into education and, and, and basically build a design school that is going to, you know, really help educate the next generation um like I, I thought back to when i was at uni and, and uh i did graphic design and then two years later i was doing a job that hadn't been invented yet as a web designer and, and it's like okay well it'd be great to be involved yeah. in creating the next the next generation of students so we bought this design school um and uh got you know the plan was really which worked incredibly well initially was to really get the industry involved and you know i reached out to a lot of my my kind of contacts in the design world and who who very graciously became kind of um got involved and became you know um part of the faculty and and um and we developed these courses for that were really at the intersection of um of of design and and digital design multimedia and ux and all that sort of stuff um there was other parts of the business as well that kind of came with it so we had a business school an interior design school and um and a beauty therapy school, and then we ended up uh, acquiring a computer graphics school, and it was incredible—a incredible journey. Like we went from twenty people to two hundred people in in about eighteen months. It was it was it was like I'm used to change and rapid growth, but this was probably it was pushing the boundaries for me. That was it was it was a bit too fast, and and so I started getting um, uncomfortable about just you know the speed at which things were happening, and I felt a bit out of control to be honest. So um, I, I started sort of really. I was struggling a bit with uh, with what we were doing.
0: So Delete the email box and move on to the next thing. Exactly.
1: Then the email box is full again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and again, you know, without a map, and you know, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I haven't been in education before, running a, basically running a mini university, um, so lots to learn. Um, another amazing journey. Um, but I, you know, basically to cut a long story short, the, um, uh, you know, we we were we were just kind of exploding and and it just seemed too fast to me especially for education and you know my business partner and I probably didn't see eye to eye on 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 things and we started diverging in terms of our kind of view and and vision for where it was going and the speed at which we'd get there and I started getting pretty uncomfortable and and actually got quite anxious about it all and and to the point where it really started affecting my health and I started sort of you know, having all sorts of physical, you know, I, I got, you know, I, it, it, it's like my intuition was telling me this is not right for you. And then my yeah. body, my body started reacting and I started, you know, I was in hospital with all You know, all sorts of things going on with vertigo and, and vestibular neuritis. I had this thing. And then I had, you know, I had stomach stuff going on and I, you know, I just, um, I had quite a few kind of scary, scary moments with some pretty serious um health stuff. And, and, and I think that I probably, I think, you know, um, it's it was like my whole body was just sort of rejecting the situation that was in. And I just felt like I needed, it just wasn't right. And I needed to get out of the situation. Um, and so, um, and I was, look, at the end of that, I was burnt out, you know, I think um, 17 years DT, and then a couple of years doing that, I got really, really burnt out. And, um, and when, mm. you know, when all of a sudden that that excitement and adventure that I talked about in the early days of DT became drowned out by just all of the stress and uncertainty and worry and lack of control over this situation. So it really took a pretty pretty major toll on me. Um, And uh, anyway, in the end, um, uh, you know, my business partner and I agreed that we should really go separate ways and I should sell out of the business um, so that he could, you know, take it in the direction he wanted to take it. Um, so I did that. I, I sold out and um, uh, deleted the mailbox again, and uh, and move, yeah. moved to Byron Bay with the family. You know, to to have a much needed sabbatical and and just focus on getting back to nature and uh, and um, slowing things down a bit.
0: So it sounds like you were run over by a tractor.
1: Yes, <laughs> exactly. The, the
0: <laughs> this, it sounds horrific. Is it? Is it because of um, the? Is it because? I mean previously with DT you owned it 100% originally right it was your idea Yeah that's of your right business. yeah yeah was it because yeah. you were sharing it sharing another vision that maybe at conflict that was harder
1: Yeah definitely like, I mean, are, that,
0: you, are you better when you're doing you're in charge of your own destiny
1: Yeah 100% yeah I mean that was definitely part of it and and you know like I think um my business partner had his vision and um, and he look you know I have a lot of respect and admiration for him he uh, is an incredible entrepreneur um, but, yeah, we had different we had different visions and different directions. And when you put – you know, I put a lot of money into this thing and I was sort of strapped in for this ride and I really felt like I I was sort of in a straitjacket and didn't have the level of control that I needed in order to manage the risk and, and get myself out of the, the, um, the holes that you kind of dig yourself into when you're running your own business. And so it became a really stressful situation for me and, and definitely – I learned from that that you know I really I really kind of like running my own race. I mean, that being said, within DT, you know, I sold that business over seven years to WPP, and I had them as yeah. a shareholder. And and I think I yeah. do a good job of, of looking after my other shareholders and, and working really collaborative collaborative with people. I think um I think yeah. as a creative though, I've got a really clear picture in my head of where I'm going and what I'm doing, and it's very hard to communicate yeah. that and share that with somebody else. And so, um. Mm-hmm. You know, if those two visions aren't lining up, it it, it yeah, definitely becomes a point of friction as a point of point of, of of creation and, and positive growth. You know, so um, yeah, it became really difficult.
0: I mean, it's terrible. You went through all that physical, um, you know, unwellness, et cetera. But but it's I think people listening in should just just listen to that and actually go. Your body tells you when it's not right. Your intuition. Mm-hmm. You don't listen to your intuition earlier. You don't listen to the some signs from your body. It just gets worse. Physically, you get worse, don't you? Like yeah, really, yeah. your body then kind of locks down, stops. Um, it, I mean, how how did you did you kind of put two and two together? Did you go, oh, my health's being affected by the business?
1: Yeah, no, no I did, but but it, it, it's sort of too late. I think I think for me, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. that probably that person when I was a kid, and you know, you, you know, parents and your teachers say just do your best. You know, I probably took that literally, <laughs> and you know, for <laughs> for. For me, your best is like well, until until you can't do any better than that. Like and and so I, I really do yeah, yeah. I push Perfection. my I I'm perfectionist for sure and I push myself really hard and I don't have a red line and and I think um mm. I think it's something that other people don't really see or or, or notice in me because. Um, a lot of this is in, in my mind, like I spent a lot of energy just thinking about stuff and, and working things out and, yeah. and I don't really stop doing that, you know? So, um, you know, yeah. I'll have a holiday and I'll come back and I'll, you must be really refreshing my holiday. And it's like, well, yeah, sort of, but I, you know, I, I actually came up with a whole lot of new ideas. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah. so I think for me, um, what I've since learned is that, um, I actually think I'm mentally very, very resilient and, and tough and I, I end up pushing myself to the point where my body has nowhere to go other than to start showing me other signals that I need to stop. Do, do you know what I mean? So, um, uh, you know, I, I kind of I, – I, I literally, it's like I'm driving the car over the red line and without realizing it because there is no taco and then something breaks and it's like, oh, shit. And, it, and, and then you realize that it takes a long time to unwind that. You know, it's, it's actually – it's actually 17 years of living out of balance that's caused that problem in the first place. And you're not just going to fix it by having a week off, you know? Um, So, you know, it's, and it's a challenge that I struggle with now because I'm really, I love doing what I'm doing. I love waking up in the morning and going to work and solving problems and, and running on adrenaline and, and being in that moment of um, building and creating. Um, But you can just forget, you just forget. It's almost like, um, it's almost like, uh, you know, racehorses sometimes um, hold their breath when they're running and they have these um, nosebleeds, you know, because they're, they're trying so hard running that they actually just hold their breath and forget to breathe, you know. And it's a little bit like that, you know, where you, go, oh. you I don't know why I thought of that analogy, but you're going so hard that you just sort of, yeah, you don't even notice the uh, the signs that um, you, you've kind of gone over the red line.
0: Well, it's interesting because you you make it look so easy. People around you must think you're like you're you know you're flawless. i you know? <laughs> obviously your wife. Is, is he's such an important partner for you because she yeah. knows you intimately and keeps you you know looking out for your well being.
1: Definitely, yeah, definitely. And she's she's definitely that voice in my ear. Even this morning, you know you need to slow down. <laughs> I mean, literally, <laughs> literally an hour ago. So, um, yeah. uh, so yeah, no, definitely. And, Cancel and- the podcast. Don't need to do the podcast. <laughs> but it's no, it's yeah. So I think, look, you know, but it look, I think, you know, life's just a big adventure and a journey. And, and, um, I really believe that more than I ever have before. And you, you know, and particularly having sold two businesses and you focus on this goal and then you, you, you create this exit and you get paid and you've got this money and, and it's like wow, it's amazing. And, and then, and then you know that you go on the three-month trip around the world, and you buy a better car, and you know, pay off part of your mortgage or whatever you do. And then, and then you kind of yeah. then you sort of back to square one again. And then you're chasing the next goal. And so, it's um, I think that's my challenge to myself is is to it's to not get a, not get attached to the outcome, and, and really just enjoy the journey, enjoy the, the tough days, enjoy every part of the experience and I think there's a lot of, there's a lot, you know, I suppose if you look at Buddhism and you look at, which I haven't done extensively, but, you know, there's a lot, if you look at sort of a lot of the ancient religions um, and spiritual kind of practices, a lot of them are, you know, living up here in Byron Bay, I get exposed to some of that stuff. It's, um, you know, but it's, but it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like people have been there and done that before, going back thousands of years. It really, it, it's, it, and it, it just sounds um, like a cliche, but, but uh, the, uh, the, I don't know. I, I think that's part of the answer as well, is just choosing what you're doing. If you've chosen something hard, then remind yourself that I chose this, you know, and, and just really uh, yeah. thrive on every part of it the good stuff, the bad stuff. And, um, and, and that's another way, you know, with the nature and the meditation to, um, to you know, to, you know, to, to, yeah, to keep in balance, I suppose.
0: That's really great advice I and mean, and we're all you know when you think about it we're all just trying to work it out we're just all trying to go how to live the best life mm. in a way no one's kind of i mean our parents and other people have showed us how they've lived but uh, you know it's like when you have your first kid no one uh, people can keep telling you how to manage having a kid and change nappies and stuff like that but n- until you've experienced it yourself you're like the first person that's ever had a baby mm. you know, like the mm. first person that's ever had a business first person person's ever had a Nervous breakdown,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All this stuff is just like. And if you you had the choice, and if I I had the the choice to
1: skip some of those tough moments, I I don't think I would. You know, because that's um Ah, it's easy. I mean, look, it's easy to say that now because you know when you have the bad moments, they're pretty bad. You know, you know when when you know when you're really unwell or the really tough times when you haven't slept for three weeks because you've just you know you've had your first child or whatever it is, but. But yeah, I think that's you know you you know you learn and grow um, as much from those tough experiences as 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 you do from enjoying the the good stuff, probably more so. And and um, I read an interesting quote the other day. I can't remember the exact words, but it was something it was it was something along those lines of you know when you look back, um, it's actually the the challenges that are the things that you that that, that you kind of um, I suppose can you know can reflect on and and um, and, and and gain and, and gain the most from you know that that they it, it's an yeah. in, interesting when you look back on those those you know those things that they're they're the they're the, they're the parts that can actually war- I suppose warm your heart um, as much as more than more than the really good times is actually yeah like I, I sort of um, learned yeah. from that or got through that or. or you know solve that problem or whatever it is it's it's rewarding
0: so so moving to Byron like a lot of people do (laughs) it's like a it's just such an incredible place I mean you're very lucky to live there I'd love to live there um but it's it's a beautiful place it's the ocean's amazing the great culture alternative lifestyle as well you got nature uh farming behind you etc I mean you did you make that move because you're just going you know what I feel absolutely shit I need to I need to do something different Change of scenery, etc. Yeah,
1: yeah, look, I grew up in again small town, Marimbula, coastal New South Wales, and so I think growing up, I, I that was an amazing experience. You know, walking on the beach and picking up crabs on the way home from school, and I wanted I wanted my kids to have a similar experience. And I thought, well, while the kids are young and in primary school, um, now's the time. Yeah. Um, I love nature. I love the water. We got married in Byron Bay twenty years ago. Um, we'd kind of come back here every year since. Sort of a special place for us, and, and my wife grew up in Fiji um, as a little as a kid, and then moved to Brunei, and, and so she had the similar sort of experience to me, um, kind of being an expat kid, and, and lived, we both went to boarding school, and so for us it was sort of sort of what you do, I suppose, is you, you know you don't just live in the one house and live in the one city and do the one thing, and so we sort of pushed ourselves to make the leap, um, and and so and again we'd sold out of this business, deleted to to the inbox. And didn't have much to uh, think about, so it was a great time to move up here with the kids and put them into primary school. And the plan was just to come here for a year, um, but you know it's now seven years. I think we've been here so six years. So, um, wow. And look, it is an amazing place. I mean, there's like everywhere though. There's you know there's the there's the the good side and the bad side, and and um, you know I don't think it's any better or worse than anywhere else. It's just different. And um, under the shiny yeah. exterior, I mean. You know, it's it's there's a another name for Byron Bay that I've heard, which is it's the land of broken dreams. You know, like a lot, a lot of people come here thinking it's going to just make them happy and solve everything, and you know no, it, doesn't it doesn't for a lot of people. You know, so um, you know there's there's two sides to it, and there's the but but definitely for me, you know, I've I really enjoy being being in the nature when I'm not at work and 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 living on on a rural property and horses and be able to see the sunset. You know. Uh, miles away oh, and God. um it's great yeah
0: i'm just getting on the plane now <laughs> kind of come to see you man um well like, what, what came first byron or or flight board oh uh, byron like, no no what, definitely byron no like? so
1: we moved to By- we bought look okay we, we bought a house on the beach like right on the beach like right a like right uh, little little yeah. little shack but right okay. on the beach at bologna there and 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 that was um and then when i sold the rest of uh um I sold half of the education business that I, half of what I owned, and I sold the rest. And then we thought, well, we might as well move to our house. We've got a house there on the beach. So we moved up there. We're living at this little house on the beach. Really simply, we left yes. a we moved out of our place in Melbourne and, you know, we'd, we'd accumulated like 150 boxes of stuff. And um, as you do, and yes. all, we just left all that in storage. Like we, we moved into this house on the beach and with just like our clothes and, you know, and uh, I was teaching myself the guitar. I bought a guitar and my, my surfboards and my kiteboard, and and it was really simple. It was and it went, and we built a we built a veggie patch and just really uh, slowed down a bit. Went to the market and um, and dropped. You know, I spent a good year. You know, doing the school drop off and pick up and hanging out with the dads from school in the cafe. <laughs> uh, it was sort of like the opposite of Melbourne here, where all the all the dads are, you know, hanging out in the cafe, um, and um, yeah. it was a really, really nice existence for, for it was probably about three months until I had the idea for Flightboard. Now it was probably. I, about, thought, you're gonna, I thought you were going to say two weeks or something. Yeah, no, it was, that was <laughs> three no, months. No, it was probably about six months. You, you yeah, did yeah.
0: all that in three months. It was probably about six months. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. yeah,
1: yeah, um, and so, and then living on, living there, looking at the amazing bay every day, and wanting to get out oh, on yeah. the water um i was at a kite i got really into kite surfing and kite foiling you know we're hydrofoiling with a kite and um really really obsessed with that and got into racing and i was at a race event and there was no wind for about five days and so we were trying everything we could to get out on the water on our foils towing each other with ropes and behind boats and and i just had this idea just (laughs) sort of came from nowhere like let's put a motor on one and um And, um, the other guys are looking at me like, uh, uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to work. And, and I could just picture this thing in my mind, you know, flying around over the water on this, uh, on this, um, hydrofoil with no kite. I thought, how amazing would that be? And I got in my being, being me, I, this is the sort of stuff I do. I got in my car and I wanted it now. You know, I I was driving around trying to find boat shops. You know, my, my idea was I'm going to find a electric trolling motor, pull it apart this afternoon and. And, and by sunset, I'm going to be riding around on this thing, you know, which, <laughs> which was, you know, total, total entrepreneurial optimism. You know, they say yeah. that if, if entrepreneurs really knew how hard something would was, they probably wouldn't do it, but you know, it's a naivety, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. um, I drew a picture of this thing on my iPad. I sent it through to my wife and said, I'm going to make this. And she wrote back and said, uh, not really sure about that. And, um, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, and there we go. And look, I, I kind of came back to Byron from this trip I'd been on in Brisbane, um, in Moreton Bay there, kite surfing. And I started kind of working on it. And then I realised I kind of don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not an engineer. Um, and I got distracted by by some other things. And But it was in the back of my mind. Like I, re- I need to work on what I'm going to do next. I really would love to do this. I think it would be incredible. But I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, being honest about it there's a uh, then uh, as these things often happen people around the world have the same idea at the same time and it was about six months uh, probably four or five months later I saw a video online that had just been uh released of somebody else in another part of the world um a guy called Don Montague um had created exactly what I would well very similar to what I what I was sort of imagining I mean he had a he had kind of a cable with a with a throttle, awesome. and I always imagined a, a wireless remote. And he had a really big board, and I imagined a board that was really small, like my kite foil. But so, th- but that sort of spurred me on. I thought, wow, he, if he's if he's sort of made a prototype and got this thing working, then it, it's possible. And and my doubt about whether or not it's possible is now gone. So that was my idea too. I'm going to do it. You know, so. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, so off I went on on trying to work out um, how to kind of uh, how to, how to how to build this thing and and then once I'd made a prototype um, which took quite a long time it wasn't easy um, I made many prototypes that failed um, not five thousand like James Dyson but probably you know probably fifty <laughs> um, wow. when i when I rode around on the water on this thing it was better than I thought I learned like, this thing's incredible it's like it's this incredible thing where you're flying above the water levitating feeling like you're a dolphin or a flying fish or a seagull and and it's quiet and there's no emissions or petrol and and um it's just incredible you know so so off off we went and i promised my wife i wasn't starting a business um i'm just making one for myself and some for a couple of friends of mine and uh and oh my God. I started tinkering. You know, I bought a three D printer. Yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she'll be listening to this. But anyway, so, so you don't keep. Yeah,
0: yeah love, you don't keep to your promise.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, but look, we're such a great team because she she really, uh, you know, I, she she really levels me out, and, and I probably, you know, push her and and drag her sometimes to be a bit of out of her comfort zone too. So we're a good we're a good balance. Um, so, um, yeah, so look, I, uh, my mum rang me up and said, oh, there's a 3d printer for sale at Aldi this week in the catalog. And I went down to the Byron Bay Aldi and, and, and they said, yeah, we've got one. I was amazed that they actually had one in Byron Bay. So I bought a $500 3d printer and I taught myself, I, I bought, um, Rhino and taught myself CAD and, um, then got obsessed with, uh, CAD and, you know designing parts and making prototypes so i spent spent a few months doing that which was oh. uh, which was a uh, back in this really creative place that i hadn't been in for years you know like i hadn't been in that sort of oh, creative that's
0: so cool. i hadn't
1: been in that kind of creative zone since the, the probably the first 6 months of dt where you know there was no wow. there was no clients there was no staff there was no anything there was just me sitting there with my computer just designing stuff and i absolutely loved it you know it really um, and 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 all of the kind of health issues that i'd had just disappeared and it's like i think for me being being out on the water in nature and and then sitting there in my creative flow state just making stuff you know i just was straight back to my happy place that i'd been in as a kid and and at uni and you know just um you know just making stuff you know just for me that's that's a form of meditation for me
0: and Did you feel like you just couldn't get enough time? It wasn't enough time in the day to to do it. Yeah, or just back back to the opposite. Yeah,
1: back to that mode where time just goes so quickly. It's like I can't believe it's ten o'clock at night already. You know, like I, it seems like you know, ten minutes ago it was seven o'clock in the morning, and I was (laughs) starting to work on this thing. You know, so just get just just get lost in the process of um, of of learning and creating, and you know, I just absolutely love that. You know, I think for me, it's something that I. And it's hard to hang on to that, you know, and I'm sure Sure. Vince, you probably find the same thing, you know, when you're running a business, that's probably where it all came from. But it's it's hard to hang on to that that experience when you've got all these other responsibilities of running the business and and, um it's it's yeah, but it's it's uh yeah, that you've got to sort of fight to um to create the space now in the business for me to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. So what what how did it go from you know, creating a prototype to then creating a business because that's that's quite a big leap, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well again i, I, mean, I, I, you, go,
0: I you know what? this is such a great idea i want I, I'm going to bring this to the world i'm going to create I'm going to create a business out of this. You couldn't help yourself. You couldn't just enjoy yourself
1: <laughs> well look uh, I, I, I look you try, look you know what i I tried, and I'm still sort of trying. I think my challenge to myself is I like, don't get attached to some kind of outcome like like just you chose this. And you're still, you're creating, now you're creating a business, not just the prototype or a product, um, and try not to get attached to some sort of outcome. Um, just enjoy, you know, I'm creating on steroids now is another way to look at it because I'm creating through other people and with other people, you know, co-creating with all the people that I work with at Flightboard. So, um, but I look, I really resisted creating a business Amazing. for a while. I just really, um, but you know, I created a drone video, put it up on Facebook got a couple of million views in a week. Um, I got contacted by Channel 9 News and then I was live on the Today Show showing off this prototype and then I thought, I better build a website and I contacted my brother, Andrew, and he developed, my my son, Leo, came up with the name Flightboard. Um, Andrew developed the brand, built a webpage really quick, just a simple two-page website. And then before we knew it, we had like, you know, 10,000 email, literally 10,000 emails from people, email addresses and people saying, you know, I want one. When can I get one? And, um, you know, I was very, very reluctantly, you know, going back to some of these people and saying, oh, not really sure if we're going to make it or not as a product, but we'll keep you posted. And so I was very reluctant about going into a business because I knew that it was not going to be a simple business. Um, I I reached out to a couple of friends. I didn't really want to do it on my own and I sort of, this is before I set up the flightboard board company and I was just tinkering and they were kind of begging me on. But, you know, I kind of knew from my previous life that this isn't going to be simple. Like if, if it's, it's either not a business or it's a business and I've got 20, 30, 40 employees before I know it. And, um, and I'm going to be doing things that I've never done before. And, and it's going to be, there's not going to be much time for much else, you know, it's um, so, yeah, I very reluctantly, Uh, turned it into a business but there was just so much pushing me to do it and willing me to do it you know it's like I had to it's like it's like it's you know it's almost like the universe was telling me you have to do this and you don't really have a choice (laughs) so um, I kind of went with it in the end yeah yeah
0: it's incredible that the the speed that it's grown too right I mean you're getting contact from all over the world you've won red dot awards good design awards probably many other awards Um, it's a hot thing it's a hot product people want to have fun on it people want mm. to enjoy it and that's a that must feel great to actually create something that people will just you know give gives all those people around the world that that incredible feeling
1: it really does um, it really you yeah for yourself it really it's- does and i think there is so much of it which is very energizing and um and that's sometimes what i say to bet my wife is that look you know it, it is exhausting and uh, looking uh, but there's there's a big part of it which is energizing as well and and it kind of counters counters the, you know, the draining part of it. So that's, it's it's incredibly energizing and and rewarding. And, and, you know, I think for me, you know, I wake up every morning pretty early and and because most of our customers are in the Northern hemisphere, I see all these Instagram, like literally dozens of Instagram posts every morning of people with big smiles on their faces all over the world, you know, riding around on these things, doing all sorts of stuff. And it's, that's incredible. It's incredibly rewarding to see that, you know, and, I try not to let it kind of, uh, you know, um, go to my head. <laughs> try and stay pretty grounded, but I think um, uh, take it in my stride. But it, but it, but it is. It's nice to. It is nice when I stop and let myself really enjoy that. It's, it's, um, it's great to have created something that that, that creates joy for, for people.
0: Yeah, and and I guess you're just are you just obsessed about the perfection of it, making it better every day. Is yeah, you yeah, definitely. Did, did your mind go? Do you start thinking about other projects already or are you just totally 100% focused on this?
1: Oh, look, there was, there was an 18-month... I mean, somehow we kind of took this to... And in terms of how I made it happen, I mean, I Googled industrial designer and uh, found, <laughs> found some, a really good industrial design company that in, based in Byron Bay, um, called Catapult, you know, so shout out mm-hmm. to Nathan at Catapult and, ah, yeah. and and he got involved and yeah. um, and I couldn't have done it without without yeah. that kind of um, – because I, I really, you know, didn't know what I was doing but, but I really pushed those guys. I, I'm very hands-on. A lot of the <laughs> ideas in the product – well, most of the ideas came from me in terms of the um, – you know, I got really creative and, and into the zone and and I'd sort of say this is what I want. You know, I want the motor to be in the fuselage and I want the fuselage to be made out of one piece of aluminium. And it's like, well, that's going to be, I don't know if that's possible. That could be really hard or really expensive. And, and um, it's like, well, no, but that's what we're doing. Like I, it's got to be perfect. And so I really pushed, you know, the the guys I was working with to um, to come up with ways to make that happen. And, and, um, and we, you know, we, and that's what we did. And, you know, for example, the board, I, I really wanted the board to, you know, to kind of um, have an organic quality to it and, and, the the first board we made that we still sell it's got a, it's got ash timber veneer and so it looks like it's a piece of furniture you know and I wanted it to really nice. I just wanted really pure raw materials like carbon and aluminium and and timber in their natural state and and for that to be able to sit on the back of a you know of a Wally yacht and and just look amazing and um and and look like a beautiful design object as well as something that functions incredibly well but that was really challenging to to create and um, so, yeah, there was definitely that 18-month period of somehow we got this thing to market in 18 months, which is really pretty crazy for what it is and I couldn't, we couldn't do that now. You know, now I've got an R&D team internally of about seven people and we could not do what we did yeah, wow. with seven people now in 18 months because, you know, there were just no distractions and, um, yeah. and, and, you know, sometimes if you're trying to make an amazing, you know, I've got lots of silly analogies, but if, you know... I, it, it, yeah, like a, if you're trying to make an amazing meal, you know, it's going to be easier for one or two chefs to make an amazing meal. Like you can throw 10 more people at it. It doesn't actually make the meal any better. Um, and so now we've got to have a big team because we need to be able to work on multiple projects at once and it's got to be structure and we've got to do a lot more rigorous testing and verification. But I think, um, you know, it was very – it was sort of a bit of a once-in-a-lifetime um thing i think to be at that point in my life where i could just really focus on this with no distractions no inbox no staff no nothing and um you know and it's 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 hard to recreate that now you know with, with more structure yeah so but yeah that I, I love that period of creation and then but then i had to switch my focus for the last couple of years to creating the business you know and and now we've got about 65 people around the world um, in our team and most of my time has been spent creating the business and as opposed to, and I'm now, you know, the last, um, you You know, know, I probably, I probably spent half my time on product development again now, which is, which is, which is good. I'm trying to really, um, um, and I'm back in in that mode of, of, of working on new things and perfection and all that sort of stuff. But it's a, it's a it's a long process when you when you're also building to bigger volumes as well like initially i just wanted to make 100 of these things um we sold our five thousandth flight board um on the weekend and we've we've delivered four thousand of them um and to over 90 yeah to over 90 countries and and we've got customers all around the world and and so there's a, a lot of stuff going on that you know is distracting and so it's you know, it's hard to find that space to really focus on, on that creative process. Um, but uh, you know, I'm giving it a good crack.
0: Crikey. I mean, aren't they about ten grand each? Those oh animals? no! In
1: Australia, eighteen. Um, yeah. So. Oh. Um, wow. Yeah. So. Okay, that's good. that's going well then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So um, we. Yeah. So yeah. Like. S- like in total, that's that's about ninety million dollars worth of flight boards is what we've sold. You know. Um, uh, So it's, you know, it's a reasonably big, it's a big business, you know, we've, um, um, and complicated supply chain. And and I think the point is that a lot of money goes into making every flight board. So Mm -hmm. we've also spent a A lot lot of money building flight boards. (laughs) Um, so it's, you know, and and trying to, trying to develop this business and funding it and, Mm um, you know, managing all of that is also Mm -hmm. been, you know, really challenging as well. But I think, um, Again, it's like the universe wanted it to exist and th- th- there's, we've, there's been a lot of serendipity in meeting the right people at the right time and getting the right help from the right people, finding the right investors. And, and um, yeah. there's a lot of incredible stories that have come out of Flightboard and, and amazing kind of really influential customers all around the world that have really helped propel it forward and some of those have become shareholders and, and you know, it's been an incredible journey. And I think, um, again, focusing on the journey, not the, uh, not the outcome, is um, yeah. Is definitely yeah, yeah. the le- the lesson there.
0: there. There's an amazing guy that we just did an episode with, um, called Conrad uh, Bergstrom. Uh, he's a founder of Exshore, um, in Sweden. Yeah. And it's an electric boating company. It's a similar kind of story. He just kind of thought that there should be electric boats. You know, beautifully designed. You know, mm. commissioned interior, um, commissioned uh, product designers and stuff. You should meet, anyways. Yeah. Guy. I'm going to listen to um, that but podcast. But it's really cool yeah. to see how people like you. Yeah, listen. You know, seeing people like you and him kind of inspiring generations to rethink how we use oceans, cleanly, quietly, and safely. Um, there's a massive movement, I guess, around the world now, uh, around this kind of you you, mm. you know doing things electric um, and uh, looking after the environment.
1: Yeah, well, I think when I when I got the first prototype working, my first thought was, you know, this is an amazing feeling, and other people are going to want to do mm-hmm. this. My second thought was it's not making any noise and there's no pollution and no emissions no nothing and it's basically having the same environmental impact as my kite foil um out here on the water and i thought imagine imagine if the you know byron the bay that you know my where i live um had had no petrol boats in 10 years time that'd be incredible you know so um now look it's a it's a it's a Look, you know, I'm, I'm all for having big, hairy, audacious goals, but for us to set a goal that we're going to be the ones that go out there and 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 sort of solve that ourselves is beyond audacious. But I think what we decided was that we really wanted to be a catalyst, and and um, our, you know our contribution would be to really inspire. Um, you know others to do this and show people what was possible with the tech with the electric technology and battery technology. There's a lot of challenges in a saltwater environment with high voltage batteries and and corrosion and all sorts of stuff. And so, you know, I'm really proud that we're um, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody that, that that's flight boarding on a lake or a river instead of wakeboarding behind a boat or jet skiing, um, you know, is, ta- is 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 you know is 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 getting out and having. That kind of experience in a way that doesn't—that's that, not using carbon—is much better for the environment. So, um, so you know, it's like we're saving the planet. But I think um, we're definitely sort of showing what's possible and and being influential. And and we, you know, with our social media and our marketing, you know, we if we see other people like um, Exshaw or Candelas another company that makes amazing foiling boats, I mean, we're we're very, um, mm-hmm. you know, we you know, we're, we're always quick to promote those companies and 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 kind of connect connect with them and help them as much as we can because i'd love to see this electric technology go further i think if there was an environment anywhere that could benefit the most from electrification it's actually the waterways because you know um we want the waterways to be pure forever you know we've we've kind of you know we need to get around on land with our cars and everything else but i think um you know when you go to the beach and you want the ocean to be pristine i mean that's where life came from and and um pumping you know all this petrol into the oceans uh not a great thing look you know look i've got a boat and um it's not an electric boat and uh so um but i, I wish it was and i can't wait for the for the point that comes where i can actually um uh you know have um an electric boat and see all the other boats around being electric boats as well
0: yeah exactly I mean, you're you're a formidable businessman, from, formidable creative person. Um, what advice would you give people who are still trying to figure out what to do with their life? Because I mean, there's a lot of us in the world who kind of don't necessarily have found haven't found the thing that they're so passionate, like you are, about what you're doing.
1: Well, I think I think and um, it
0: takes you three months each time to work it out. It seems.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think. Look and. and Again this is one of those quotes that I'm not I'm probably I don't know the quote but I know I get the gist of it and I think it's I read something again recently that's like it's not about finding your passion it's just about living with passion and 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 yeah. and then you'll end up you creating what it is that you that you're meant to do it's it's not about waiting until you discover it um waiting waiting to discover it's not really going to get you very far it's it's actually just about living every day with passion is my belief and and ultimately that will lead you to that thing that um where your superpower is the most at work or where, that inspires you or or you'll create that yourself you know and so i just i think it's about doing what you love um you know doing what you love and really prioritizing the things that you really enjoy, whether or not you think you can make money out of them or not, you know, and, um, and I'd give that advice to my kids. I just think that, I mean, look, you know, it's, we've all got a. I mean, I'm very commercial as well, but I just, I do think that, you know, um, uh, yeah, if, if, if you really love what you do, you, you're going to end up being successful at it. Um, but it, but it does take a lot of pa- passion and commitment and hard work beyond what you probably think. And, and, um, and, and also as, as well as doing what you love, love what you do, like remind yourself that I chose this. And, and, and when you have the bad days and things get tough, it's like, Oh, well, you know, this is, this is, this is just part of, part of doing what I love. You know, this is, it's, it's, you know, this is the other half of it where I'm learning. And so I think for me, it's, it's about maintaining that passion and enthusiasm. And, and when that starts to falter, work out what to do to bring it back, you know, and, and for me, that might be to go out on the water or go on a holiday or, or, um, or, you know, have some time off to, to create or whatever it might be, but just, um, you know, uh, you know, being, I think, I think it's staying in that, in that place of flow where you're really, you know, connected to the source of, 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 everything and, and that's creating and, and, um, and nature as well. And, um, and it's not about, you know, we're all born to do something and we have to just stumble across it. I think it's about, you know, we've all got the same. My, my belief is that, you know, we're all born with the same potential, the same abilities to develop that potential and, and just living with lots of passion and enthusiasm, you know, creates opportunities and we create our own luck. And, and, um, and you know, it's taken a lot. Like I feel like I've, I've designed myself the perfect job um, making the perfect product in the perfect industry in the perfect place. But it, you know, it hasn't come easily. And it, it, it's been a lifetime of, of work to get to this point, not just the last four years, you know, that one thing's led to the next, it's led to the next, it's led to the next. And and I paid a price for working too hard at it sometimes as well. So, um, yeah, anyway, that, that's my sort of philosophy on, on all of that.
0: It's really cool to see you can have multiple careers over, over your life, you know, not just have one career. Or not just put all your eggs in one basket. You know, you kind of, you've personally done multiple things and and created successes out of them. Uh, And they've been quite incredibly diverse, right? They're still ideas, but they're diverse. Yeah. Different mediums or different place, you know, different products. Yeah, I think, I think, I think they're. Education, products and stuff. I think we've
1: got, I think we sort of sharpen up fundamental. I think we've got attributes that we, that we, um, that, you know, some of them might be. From our families and our genetics, some of them might be from our experiences as a kid, Um, but I think they're quite different. Different to technical skills, you know. So obviously, um, there are technical skills you need to be to be a graphic designer, but there's also attributes that you need. And I I think for me, you know, I'm I'm really, I feel really blessed that I grew up with creative parents and I went to design school. I think that going and doing and studying graphic design really sets you up for doing all sorts of stuff because you actually learn, you, you build on these attributes of of, of um, idea generation, of problem solving um, um, and kind of, you know, that, that thing where you've got a clean sheet of paper and I need to create something. I mean, that's pretty scary for a lot of people, but yeah. you go to design school and that's what you do all day and and, 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 yeah. and the more time you're out of your comfort zone, the bigger it becomes. So I feel like um, a lot of the guys that I went to university with are doing all sorts of amazing things and I just feel like that sort of design background gives you the ability beyond a lot of other things that you could do to have multiple careers. And that's, that's the attributes that you're sort of developing and the technical skills, you know, when you, when you throw away one career and move into another, that's hard work, that's hard work because I had to go and learn, I had to start from scratch and learn all these technical skills about running a product company, about CAD, about, you know, supply chains and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I just had to be a fast learner, but I think um, the attributes, are more important than the technical skills. I think anybody can learn the technical skills with a bit of commitment, um, but the attributes are something that you need to spend your whole life developing.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because I went to design school back in England and um, it was a two-year course. But I think the most important thing that it taught me was that you can bring ideas to life, that it is about imagination. It is about just trying stuff relatively simply about taking an idea or a brief and making it a reality and often in that, in that kind of graphic design kind of course, you're doing it for other people. Mm. You're, it's a service for someone to commission you to do that. That's how you're kind of taught. But what I learned quite quickly was actually, well, sometimes the client's ideas weren't, you had a better idea than your client. You kind of made them look great, but you actually could actually do that idea yourself if you put your heart and soul into it. So it's, it's really, really exciting. I think that kind of led me to also this belief that you could design your life um, as well. So not just let life happen to you, that you actually can use the kind of the, the approach that we use in our design, problem solving, etc., to design a better life. And it sounds like you're like a, a prime candidate for this. You're kind of a guy that seems to have has designed your life. How, do you think you have?
1: One hundred percent. And I think um, yeah, no, definitely. And I think a lot of it comes from just intent. I think um, I think uh, you know, just having a clear intent and having a you know, be able to visualize something in your mind. Um, if you can, if you can do that, then you know. Following, then then step back to one foot in front of the other, and and um, joining the dots in between. I oh, know, but definitely, you know, I've always sort of been a daydreamer since I was a kid, and and I think, you know, I suppose. Um, my wife and I have had this joke for the last 10 years that we need to sit down and do a vision board so we can work out how we want our life to be. <laughs> um, we still haven't done it yet, but, you know, yeah. but but I think – but we are doing it in the background, you know, just with our conversations and things and moving up to Byron and doing the things that we do is definitely part of that. And I think, I think it should be something conscious that, that we do and we should devote time to that every week and, mm. and every day, even if it's just when you're going for a yeah. walk or reading the paper, just, you know, because otherwise – you know you know and it's like we can control everything either but i think we can you know but i think definitely having an intent of how you want to live how you want to spend each day um um without that intent it's, it's not going to happen the way you want so you know it's 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 no, fundamentally agree. important
0: that's amazing um david it's been so cool to catch up with you today i thank you so much uh for the conversation uh for inspiring me and other and, and our listeners as well and and just you know I am going to come to Byron. I'm going to try the flight board. Uh, <laughs> I've tried stand-up powderboarding, boarding, which I've failed at already. But I'm going to have a go. I, and, I look uh, forward to it. I look, I look forward to catching up with I'll you.
1: Oh, look, thanks, Vince. It's been great talking to you. And, uh, you know, and uh, back when I was uh, in, 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 my, in my previous life as a designer, you are a, a real inspiration for me as well. So thank you for... Uh, for talking and and, oh, and, so no, no, nice. and doing and you know doing what you do as well. So um uh, yeah no I appreciate it and I look forward to uh, getting you up on the flight board.
0: Okay. Thanks David. Take care of yourself All mate. Right. Thank you. See ya Thanks for listening to today's episode of Design Your Life, Tied for Change with Flight Book founder and CEO David Therone. I'm excited to announce we will be launching our new series featuring inspiring B Corp-certified businesses and their founders in February. In today's world, businesses have a huge social and environmental responsibility. Tune in as so we discover how business leaders around the world navigate those responsibilities and prosper, coming together with a common goal to make the world a better place. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life if you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life head to the website at designyourlife.com.au if you found this episode inspiring please don't forget to review and subscribe if you have any ideas or like to get in touch we would love to hear from you send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au